Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. Today, we visit with country music phenomenon Aaron Watson. Aaron grew up in Amarillo, Texas, and started chasing his dream of becoming a country singer-songwriter while still in college. Through perseverance, a work ethic instilled in him by his father, and the grace of God, Aaron has seen his career come to life over the last 18 years and is celebrating the release of his latest record, Vaquero. Aaron shares about the struggles of life and making it in the music world, and how his family and his faith have always been the support he has leaned on. I'm Aaron Watson. Um, my first job is, uh, is being a dad to Jake, Jack, and Jolie Kate. I grew up in Amarillo, Texas. Um, my dad is 100% disabled from serving our country during the Vietnam War. Um, my mom's a school teacher. My dad is my hero. Um, he's dealt with so much through because of his disabilities. Um, I, I would have to say that I am who I am because of dad. Uh, the example that he set. I mean, mom and dad's marriage was not perfect, uh, far from perfect, but always persistent. And we'd have our big fights. You know what? It would always end with us hugging each other and crying and making up and moving forward. Uh, I think one thing that I always go back to, and I've told this story a million times, was I was around 12 and my dad had a, a cleaning business and he also cleaned our church. My dad was a custodian and not, not the most glorious job. And one summer, all my buddies were going swimming and I really wanted to go swimming with them. And my dad said, I really need you to help me today. We got a lot of work to do. And I'm pretty sure that I complained every second of that day. And we were in a bathroom, in a men's bathroom, and I had on the yellow gloves and I was down on my knees and I was scrubbing this toilet. And my dad was in the stall next to me and he was cleaning the toilet and I'm just complaining. You know, like I'd rather be swimming. All my buddies are swimming, you know, and I'm here doing this and I'm, I wanted to do this today and I wanted to do that. And I remember my sweet daddy, he came around the corner of the stall and he said, hey, and I turned around and looked at him. He said, do you think that when I was growing up do you think when I was a little boy that I wanted to grow up to be a custodian? Do you think this is what I wanted to do? And I said, well, well no, sir. He said, but you know what? He said, um, this is the job that God's blessed me with. He said, so what I'm going to do to show God that I'm thankful for this is these are going to be the cleanest toilets in town. And I just remember just, I mean, I just remember it hit me right then and there, like I got it, like I get it, Dad. And um, I, I go back to that moment all the time uh, because that's the truth. Like God blessed my, my dad with that job. Through everything dad had been through, that was a wonderful opportunity for him. And because of that job, he was able to buy me baseball gloves and. Uh, you know, my sister's piano lessons and gave us a nice home and gave us a good life. Music was always a part of my life. It wasn't my first love. My first love was baseball. Loved, loved baseball. But 
you know, uh, music was it was in the house. You know, dad was always playing old vinyl records. You know, Willie Whalen, Merle Haggard, um, the Rolling Stones, Beatles, uh, Frank Sinatra. You know, just lots of lots of good stuff. So that was always going on at the house. And then mom was always encouraging me to sing at church. You know, maybe she might even give me a little thump in the back of the head if, you know, I was sitting in the the pew in front of her and I wasn't singing and talking with my buddies or something, you know. But music's just always been a big part of my life. And and as I got into college and, you know, started thinking about what, what I was going to do, you know, with my life, I just felt like this is what I was supposed to do. And, you know, in, in the beginning... You know, I'm I'm pretty sure my goals were pretty shallow. You know, it's like I can sing a song, uh, learn to play the guitar, so I can Im- impress a girl. <laughs> you know, that was probably the extent of my uh, <laughs> my goals at the time. I met Kimberly in college. Uh, I stalked her a little bit. Um, cute little brunette. She's the sweetest girl. She never gets mad, which. I always say she never gets mad, and that makes me mad. She just so, she's always so cool, calm, and collected. I put that in a song. Um, but she supported me from day one. We're on a date, sitting at a, a, a table at our favorite restaurant in Buffalo Gap, Texas, called Perini Ranch. And we were just talking about how crazy life has gotten. Not just the business, but with kids. You know, once upon a time, she and I, we would do whatever we pleased. If she was hungry at 11 o'clock at night, we'd go get some food. Well, things have changed. You know, there's these three kiddos now, Jake, Jack, and Jolie Kate, and there's ballet, and there's baseball, and there's football, and there's piano lessons. It just never stops. But we talked about the many different changes, but the one thing that has stayed the same is love. And that's where I was like, you know what? Trends come and go, but love is never going out of style. The trends will come and go, the winds and chains will blow. The way we love is never going out of style. Singing. I think it's a fun song that's catchy. And I think older couples can really relate to it. And I think younger couples can strive for it. Out of style is just a fun little ditty, a fun little song about my life and the experiences that I've had with music and my marriage and my wife and I. So it's been fun singing that song everywhere we go because it's it's real. In college, it kind of hit me that, hey, there's something here with this music thing. And then I started getting, you know, asked to play different type of social events. Um, I started playing coffee shops. And... I realized then that people, I would play a lot of covers, but then I'd mix in a few of my songs. And I thought it was interesting that at the end of the night, people would come up to me and say, what was that one song you sang? And I was like, oh, that's a song that I wrote. So I started noticing that there was interest in my songs. And that kind of started pushing me to just focus more on my music. It took a while to get off the ground and get running. Um, you know, I think on my third album, I started getting a little bit of attention 
around the state of Texas, and I had the opportunity uh, to come up to Nashville and and speak with one of the largest record executives in the music industry. And I sang, I sang him, I think, two or three songs. And I, I sat there, and he didn't say much. And he was pretty firm with me, but basically told me that I didn't have what it takes, but that there could be a future in my songwriting. But, you know, I didn't have what it took and that they weren't interested in me at all. And it kind of broke my heart a little bit, shattered my dreams. And I drove back home to Texas. And it was actually the next morning I was sitting at the kitchen table with my dad. He was drinking coffee. And he said, so tell me about the trip. How did it go? And I said, Dad, they don't like my songs or my singing. He said that I don't have what it takes. And I remember he took a sip. And he said, you know, that's the same thing they said to Willie for all those years. And I was like, yeah, that's right. And he said, you know, Willie finally made it by about the time he was 45. Now you have to realize at the time I was 20. And I was like, whoa. I said, Dad, are you telling me that I'm going to have to grind it out for the next 25 years if I'm going to make it? And he said, yep, if you want it bad enough. And that just goes back to my dad's mentality of hard work. And hard work does pay off. And, um, you know, at that point, we decided to just get out there, play as many shows as we could, make the best records we could make, and treat our fans like family, treat our fans like royalty. Every night when I'm, after my show, I always hang out with the with my fans and i hate calling them fans because it, they're just the finest clientele but even when i sign my name i take pride in how i sign my name because that's my name and i try to instill that in my kids you know take pride in every little thing that you do you know because that's a reflection of me and their mother the way we're raising them and and who i am is a reflection of my mom and dad. And, uh, you know, and I'm definitely, I'm, I'm the most imperfect person in the world, you know, but it's that persistence, that continuing to push yourself to be the best that you can be. And I think about my dad coming around that stall and saying, hey, do you think this is what I wanted to do when I was a little boy? It hits me now because my dad was about the same age then as I am now. And that hits me hard right now because, I mean, he's right. There's nothing too glorious about being called a custodian, you know? But my dad was so thankful for every little blessing. And it made me who I am today. And I'm not too proud to do anything. Like if my country music career ended tomorrow, I would clean toilets every day if I had to to take care of my family. And uh, there's, there's nothing more respectable than honest hard work. People always want to talk about the last three years, but I don't want to talk about just the last three years. I want to talk about 
the last 18 years because every step of the way has been special to me and it's made me who I am. Um, the struggles along the way really make you appreciate these kind of moments. And we've just been so blessed. And it's also been one of those things um, where my career has given me the opportunity to inspire others. Say, hey, they said I wasn't good enough. They didn't even give me any opportunities. But I got out there, I worked hard, and I created my own opportunities. Um, and it's also given me this wonderful platform when people are like, how in the world does an independent artist with you know no financial backing like these major label artists outsell all these big names? It gives me the opportunity to say, you know what? I don't know, but we're just going to give all the glory to God and we're going to thank Him for blessing us with the best fans in the world. And so that's been fun. All throughout the Bible, He uses a lot of people uh, at the bottom of the totem pole to do some very big things. So, you know, I'm, I'm that that's that's the prayer I pray before every show is that God gives me courage to get up there to let my light shine, um, that I can be a positive influence on the people at my shows and um, that he will use my music and my words to glorify him. And, you know, I get an opportunity to share uh, my faith, you know, in some very, very unique places. You know, not too many preachers get to go into honky-tonks and dance halls and, uh, and, and share their love for Jesus. It is a crazy environment. Um, I just want to be home. 99.999% of the time. You know, things that you don't think about when you're 20. It never crossed my mind 20 years ago that how much I would ache being away from home, missing my kids. I didn't think about those kind of things. Um, but you live and you learn. And, you know, daddy's got to work. So it is what it is. But I just tried to... Um, I try to be the best that I can be. And, you know, I, I had a guy at my show in Rootstown, Ohio, two weeks ago. He came up to me afterwards and he said, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate your faith. He said, I don't have that kind of faith like you. And I said, well, what's wrong? He said, I don't know. He said, I, I, don't, I don't have much of a family. And he said, I just... You know, I, I believe in Jesus. I just don't have, I'm just not a very strong Christian like you. I said, well, what makes you think that I'm a strong Christian? He said, well, I just, because, you know, you get up there and you share your faith and you talk about how much you love Jesus. I said, well, I, I do love Jesus. I said, but just because I love Jesus doesn't mean that I'm a strong Christian. Whenever I feel myself slipping, I realize like, oh, I haven't been reading my Bible much. Oh, I haven't been praying much. Oh, I haven't been taking time to stop, slow down, and and focus on on my heart and focus on my soul, focus on my family, focus on my relationship with God. What I love about Jesus Calling is that 
it's something that I can re rely on, especially to get me back into the groove of also getting my Bible back open. So I just think it's a great tool to be used alongside the Bible. And, and I know that I've talked with people about Jesus Calling, and it's a great gift to give people to get them introduced to the Bible. It kind of helps get me kick-started when I kind of get out of my routine. There's nothing that we can do that's so bad that Jesus will stop loving us. And, and the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, it covers everything. Uh, six years ago, uh, we lost a little girl, Julia Grace. And we lost Julia shortly after she was born. It's been nearly six years ago. And it's hit me hard this year, especially, because I keep thinking that when I take the kids to school, I should be walking Julia in for kindergarten. And that, that cuts me so deep. But those were hard times for us. Um, we had some doctors. We found out that Julia had trisomy 18, um, which we had doctors tell us that she was incom incompatible with life. And we had several doctors tell us that we should terminate the pregnancy. But that's just not something that we could do. And it's tough for me to talk about, obviously. But some of those moments while Kim was pregnant with Julia are some of the most beautiful moments of my life. When Julia was born, we had her for about an hour. And we got to hear her cry. And we got to hold her. The kids got to love on her. They got to see their sister. I got to sing to Julia. And it was the toughest, most beautiful thing I've ever experienced. I mean, it changed me for forever. And, and I struggle with it. I struggle with it. I, I don't, I ask why. I ask why. And it's okay to ask why. But the fact of the situation is that this is the life that we live in. We want to think that everything is easy and it's good, but it's not. Why did Jesus come to earth? He, he came because of the heartache and the suffering. He gives us hope that there's something better beyond this life, and that's heaven, and that's eternity with Him. And that is what has gotten us through the hard times, is the hope. We have hope because of Jesus, and we know that we're gonna see our little girl again someday in heaven. The world needs to know that like, even in their suffering and their loss, that God's still there with them. People need to know that bad things are gonna happen, and that's the world that we live in. But we have hope in Jesus, and that's what gets us through the hard times. To learn more about Aaron Watson, visit AaronWatson.com. And to get his new album, Vaquero, please visit your local Target store or get it online at Target.com or anywhere music is sold. Are you looking for the perfect gift for a friend, family member, or loved one who needs a little more peace and joy in their lives? Lifeway Christian Stores will be featuring Jesus Calling and Jesus Always for just $5 each for one day only, Saturday, November 25th. 
shop in any Lifeway Christian store, or go online to lifeway.com to get your copies of Jesus Calling by Sarah Young or the newest 365-day devotional by Sarah, Jesus Always, for only $5 each on Saturday, November 25th. Welcome back to the second half of our program. Our guests for this segment are Carlos Aguilar and Joy Summers, the duo that comprises the popular Carlos and Joy show on the Christian radio network, Way FM. Carlos and Joy view it as an honor that they get to do the work they do through their show and love the connection they have through Christian music and with their listeners. Listen as they tell us a little bit about how they got started and why they love bringing the hope of Christ to the world through the medium of radio. We're Carlos and Joy. We do afternoons here on Way FM. So my name is Carlos Aguiar, but people just know me as Carlos. It's like I never use my last name. Yeah, he's a little bit secretive. I'm like Madonna. <laughs> <laughs> I have a normal name. My name's Joy Summers. And we've been able to work together for about three and a half years now doing the afternoon show. Yeah. I am one of those unique pastor's kids who didn't go off the deep end. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> and I have three brothers. So being the only girl, that was like an interesting way to grow up. And I think it's really helped me to work well with Carlos because mm-hmm. I get teased all the time and I'm able to take it. And they really toughened me up a little bit. He's helped with that a lot as well. But being a pastor's daughter, I was just in the church all the time. I mean, twice on Sundays, on Wednesdays, church work days on on Saturdays. And there was a season where I really didn't love the church. And I started to just kind of resent it because we had to go. And even, you know, my parents were of that age where you had to kind of have it together as the church family. And my mom would like scream at us because we were being so bad on the way to church. And they'd be like, everybody look happy. Let's go in. We're a pastor's family. It was like a little bit miserable. I would dread Sundays because I'm like, we're going to get in trouble. My brothers are going to be bad. So there was this season where I didn't like it and everybody knew our business. So it's like we had to look picture perfect on the outside. And I struggled with that because, I mean, even as a teenager, I had questions about my faith and it was like, don't tell anyone because your dad's the pastor, so you're not allowed to have questions about your faith. Mm. Um, But there was this process, I think, as I came into my adulthood that I realized growing up in the church made me have this deep love for the local church. And it's kind of ironic because watching my mom be a pastor's wife, I was like... That's like the worst job ever. Yeah, yeah but, but I'm just married a pastor. There it is. It wasn't on purpose. It just happened. It doesn't. No, you chose to marry a pastor. There's no on accident. Well, like I started dating him, and he had just started seminary and was like trying to get a job at a church, and then he started working part time. So he's and... gonna be a pastor. I mean, on accident. I don't know. He's just amazing. But I think it's almost like God prepared me for it, and I I kind of understand the good, the bad, and the ugly of the church. Yeah. And how Christians can be, which I think helps me with the show. And I think I hopefully it's going to make me a really good pastor's wife because I will not be surprised when people can be nasty. But also maybe I have that entrenched in me how to like love people well. Yeah, but this is how we all knew you were going to marry a pastor. When she was a kid, she used to check out the boys' locker that she was into. (laughs) And she would just see what was in there. And the first thing she would grab was their Bible. Oh, yeah. And if the Bible wasn't highlighted and marked up. If it's not worn. There it is. They're not in the Word. I mean, if it's fresh and crisp, it never gets opened. Which means you were going to marry a pastor and you someday. Got, you got to see what's highlighted. Is it only John 3.16? Yeah, so I guess that was a dead giveaway. <laughs> I think that just, 
I was drawn to the way that he loved people, the yeah. the man that I ended up marrying, because our very first interaction, it was so simple. We were just talking with a bunch of people in a group. And most people don't notice if there's someone they don't know really well in the group and they just go on with their story. But um, this other guy kind of walked up and he just stopped and engaged him and caught him up. He didn't even know him. He's caught him up on the story. And I just took like a mental note, like, wow, he really notices people. And then I got to know him because he was my, my Bible study small group leader. And mm. he's like sharing from God's word. And I just melted. And yep. I don't know. It's just one thing led to another. We're married. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> so I grew up in a pretty awesome family. Like we were also strong churchgoers. I became uh, kind of like almost like a minister's kid because my dad would do music ministry and he was a part of the church. So I was in church a lot. I was much more rebellious. So there came a point in my life where I was like, okay, the church is cool. It makes me feel good, but I don't, I don't really own the belief. So I'm going to figure out who I am. And in trying to figure out who I am, I kind of went off the deep end a little bit. So I did my own thing, ran off, you know, dated a lot of the wrong women, did a lot of the wrong things. And then I was also like club DJing. And uh, there came a point where I was like, I can't keep doing this other thing Monday through Saturday and then get right on Sunday just so that I feel okay about life and then restart my mess on Monday. And um, I remember I said, Lord, I need an outlet. Like I need something. And like two miles from my house, this really rinky-dink, cheesy Christian dance club opened up. And he's like, all right, if you want to be a DJ and do your music, do it here. As cheesy as you could think as it would be, that's what it was. <laughs> but it was awesome and it gave me a space and a venue. And that's where my radio career kind of took off because I was there DJing one night and the local Christian radio station came in. They were like, hey, this is cool. You're DJing Christian music. Could you do this kind of like dance mix for our radio station and like reach the youth with it? And I was like, yeah, sure. I went to Radio Shack and I bought every outlet plug transition thing I could find. I didn't know how to do it. And then we, we got on, we made it work, got it plugged in, and that's where my radio career began. I was just remembering that my brother and I had like one of those little tiny cassette players and it had microphones on either side from like Fisher Price. I think yeah. it was for babies. There were microphones on either side um, and you could push them and like record in. And I loved Christian music so much because it was all I was allowed to listen to growing up in the church. Point of grace. Come on. So I would like literally have the Christian radio station on and then I'd put my cassette tape in and you'd have to wait just at the right moment and you'd have to like record it onto the cassette tape and then stop it right after the song. And I made my own Christian mixtapes because... Yeah. Of course, that was the cool thing to do. But then I would put them in this little Fisher-Price thing and I would make my brother intro around the songs with me. But we lived in backwoods, West Virginia and there was like nothing happening. So I'd be like, the weather is 50 degrees and we're still in the woods. To you, Johnny. <laughs> yeah. And I would make my brother yeah. like do it with me. We'd do it for my parents. And I never thought anything of it because, you know, there are plenty of other things. I played teacher, I did all kinds of other things. So I never thought that would be it, but it just ended up being this like really cool avenue I ended up in because I do love Christian yeah. music and I'm still such a fan. When we get a chance to talk to artists or a new song comes out, I like fangirl over it. And most people in radio, they're like, nah, it's another Chris Tomlin. No, and I'm like, no. this is amazing. You literally <laughs> climbed the wall when oh I surprised her goodness. with Stephen Curtis Chapman. She's a huge Chapman fan. Are you Family. kidding me? He's the legend. So I set up for him to show up in studio one day, and it's when he walked in, she was like, what in the, and literally like I began to like, to, like climb to run up the away, wall. And I screamed, SCC! <laughs> <laughs> 
And I clapped just like that. And I think he's getting a restraining order against me like right now. Yeah. I met his mom once and I just held her hands and I was like, you've done a great thing. You have a great son. I don't know. It's a problem, but it's just, I can't believe I get to do this. You yeah. know, it's crazy. But I feel like we all like, Every radio person started off with a cassette player at home because mm -hmm. my dad, back then they had like those little dictation devices where you would like record into like a little mini cassette. Probably for work. <laughs> no, my dad would like record little sermons on there. So oh, wow. He would normally like change the tape. I don't know. But one time I grabbed it and I was playing with it, doing my radio show, like holding up the radio, recording a song in. And I was like, that's DT talk or whatever. <laughs> And then my dad had recorded his next sermon that he was not quite done with on that tape. And I can, oh, I had recorded all over it. No, he oh, goes to listen right. and he's like, that kid of mine. It's Jesus freak. And then <laughs> that was DC talk. He's I'm like, Carlos. <laughs> but for me, like I, I knew I wanted to do radio in high school. And that's where God really began to like shape who I was because I learned to just trust him and ask him and seek him. and. In doing those things, he constantly like opened doors. Now some doors shut and the road was never easy. Like getting to where I am today was very difficult. And there were a lot of things yeah, I had to go through, but it was a constant falling back to what I knew was true. And that's that I could trust God, I could seek God. And in doing those, he would always show me the way. And it was up to me to kind of walk it. Yeah, I think that faith is such a journey because there's never a moment where you become an amazing Christian who's got it together. and. I think that I was trying to become that when I was growing up because I'm in the church and we're supposed to put on, I thought, this like really good looking exterior that we've got it together. And I thought, well, you put that on until you do get it together. But the older that I became and the more that I knew I just wasn't getting it together. And I, I know myself, I know my selfish heart, but I loved the discovery in my early 20s that I don't have to have it all together. And part of that was starting in Christian radio. I got like a not normal start where right out of college, I got put on a local so Christian jealous. morning show. I was an intern and they had just lost the co-host. So the morning show guy put me on with him and I was terrified. Yeah. I got dropped into this morning show and uh, my co-host kept saying, you're trying to talk as if you've got it together. When you talk about God, you talk about him in such a way that you're like, yeah, life can be hard, but it's fine. There's a bow tied at the end and everything's good. And he was like, that's not really how you feel. But I thought that's how we had to be as Christians. Yeah. And so he helped me to sort of slowly start to peel back layers until I was able to talk about, well, yeah, I kind of am a mess today. And, and my dad um, had a major heart problem when I was on that show and he almost died. And I would come in crying to work and then be like, okay, I'm going to get it together. And then I'm just going to say God is good. And he's like, is that really how you feel? I'm like, no. So it was the first time that I got to share that and go, wait, it's okay if I'm like in a period where I don't really know what God's doing and I'm mad. What? Like, that's okay to say out loud. And it's been such a beautiful realization to go, God can handle my anger. God actually loves when I take my issues to him and I'm honest about it. And that helped my own relationship with God. And I think it's made me a better communicator for yeah. other Christians to hear someone who they can go, wow, yeah, I'm there too. And I think that's what makes what we do so special. Because when you watch TV, like there's this barrier, like, you know, this person is somewhere else. They're far away. You can't get to them. But radio, we're in your car and we're right there with you. So there's this much more personal connection that I think you can have with someone who 
basically rides in the car with you every day, mm-hmm. you know, to work or to school or on your way home afterwards. And that's the kind of thing that we have. And I think it's why, like, I'll never forget early in my radio career, I'll never forget this, a little girl, she called up and I was doing the night show. And she's like, hey, could you pray with me? And I was like, yeah, what's up? And she's like, well, <laughs> my little teddy bear, it lost its eye and I can't find it. I was like, like, do your parents right. know you're calling me right now? Well, but that's the thing is like, she felt so close to the radio station and she felt like they help people. I'm going to call and they're going to help me. So I did, you know, so I Aww. stopped and I prayed with this little girl and I don't know if she ever found the eye to her teddy bear. I don't know whatever happened, but that that's the kind of connection. That's the kind of thing that happens with local radio or with Christian radio. There's just this connection that you can have with listeners. I think one of my favorite things about our job is that people who listen can become real friends. There's mm-hmm. not as much of a wall there as you would imagine with, I don't know, celebrities or something like that, because people really live real life with us and we share so much that people call over and over again and eventually they become friends. Jess Ann is one that I really think about. She's a friend of ours now, and she started out as a listener with cancer who was really struggling, and Way FM was there for her, and when she would be in the hospital for treatments, she would have the Way FM app on, and the music really encouraged her. And then there was a moment where we kind of thought we were going to lose her, and one of her friends said, hey, can you guys make her a video? She's in the hospital. Things are looking really rough. And that was kind of like our first re-engagement. And then when we do fundraisers for the station, she would always call and give money. And we're like, girl, you have all these medical bills. You don't need to give money. But her heart is just so generous. And then, you know, we finally got to meet her, and she just recently, she's doing better with her health. She just moved here to um, to the city and so we get a chance to see her um, every so often and it's it's crazy how someone who's just a voice or a story eventually becomes a part of your life and mm-hmm. now I can get breakfast with her you yeah. know? I agree with the relational thing like you don't get that one-to-one relationship with a podcast you get a show like you'll hear stories that are awesome and maybe you want that for a day but when you want someone to relate to what you're facing right now Like when you turn on the TV news and the next big event happens and something crazy and you just want a reminder that there's hope. So when I think of all these big events, these tragedies that happen where everything feels so chaotic, you can get caught up in the chaos and we can talk about this many deaths and all these statistical things that have happened. Or we can fall back to the truth that we know, which is that even in this, God's still in control. Mm -hmm. Even in this, God can still find a way. As bad as things may be, we serve a God who is the most creative being in the universe and can even from this mess create beauty. It helps that we can balance each other out when tragedies happen because I get really nervous even when I roll over in the morning and my husband says, hey, there was a shooting this morning Mm -hmm. and my heart just sinks and I go, God, how am I going to talk about that today? Like, what am I supposed to say? I, I just feel so... I guess insufficient to speak to people who are kind of hurting and I'm like okay what do I do so I I have to go to God in the morning and I have to like as best I can process around it I find that if I go too long without 
sitting before God and kind of quieting my heart and talking to him and reading his word that everything else kind of starts to spiral out of control. And I, I know when it's happening because I, I feel completely overwhelmed. And so I try to get some time alone with him. Um, I'm not great at doing it every single day, but a couple of times a week, whether it's just a few minutes before bed or in the morning, I try to do that. And I like to turn on like worship music. I have like a spot. I like to sit on my porch. I like to have my coffee with me if it's in the morning and get my Bible out. But sometimes I find that if I'm just straight reading the Bible, I don't always know like, okay, well, what, what do I do with those verses? And I try to pray over them. But I think that I discovered Jesus calling like years ago. I think that what it really does beautifully is it brings Jesus's voice kind of to life. And it, it automatically makes me start thinking, well, yeah, what would Jesus say to me today where I'm sitting here? And it kind of presents different avenues. And it seems like often whatever you're struggling with, there's like at least a line in there that kind of speaks out about it. And I even found that with today's uh, Jesus Always devotional that Carl Carlos is going to read, but it's just kind of beautiful that we know God is trying to speak to our hearts, but the loudness and the chaos often blocks it out. And taking a second to read something and know it doesn't have to be a 20 minute Bible study, but if you're even for five minutes reading something, there's verses that you can look up with it so that you can directly apply and look up God's word and then have a conversation with God about it. I think it just reminds us that God is trying to speak to us. Yeah. So from today's reading in Jesus Always, um, it says, I want you to live close to me open to me, aware of, attentive to, trusting, and thanking me. I'm always near you, so open yourself up fully, heart, mind, and spirit, to my living presence. Feel free to ask the Holy Spirit to help you in this endeavor. Seek to stay aware of me as you follow your path through this day. There is never a moment where I'm not fully aware of you. Attentiveness involves being alert, listening carefully, and observing closely. I encourage you to be attentive not only to me, but to the people I bring into your life. Listening to others with full, prayerful attention blesses both them and you. The Bible is full of instruction to trust me and thank me. Remember, I'm totally trustworthy. So it is always appropriate to believe me and my promises. I understand your weakness and I will help you overcome your unbelief. Finally, thank me throughout the day. This discipline of gratitude helps receive my joy in full measure. The part of that that I really love is that it says, I will help you overcome your unbelief. Because I mean, that's just the one for today, but I've been praying, God help my unbelief. Because I read that verse in the Bible um, that says, I believe but help me because we're always going to have unbelief and I've really been struggling lately with what's going to happen in the future and I just got married and what path am I going to take and what path is my husband's career going to take? How do those work together? And I think we always have questions about the future and I know I believe in God, but I feel like I have a lot of unbelief and I love that the Bible says that's okay today as I've been praying that to God. It pops up here and it, and it and just reminds me that I can have joy even in struggling with unbelief. Yeah, I love the verse that it gives you as a reference. It says, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him and I am helped. You know, that's been one where my mom used to like speak that verse to me all the time because she was like, you can trust God. He's going to be with you. And as life gets crazy and things get hard and you might be scared, like He is your shield. He is your protector. He is your strength. Just trust that He has you. And to kind of have these references and these little verses to remind you of these truths, when you face your next battle and you don't know what to do, you can fall back on that truth and know that God's got you.
To hear more from Carlos and Joy, please check them out in the afternoons on a Way FM station near you, or read their blog, or find out how to stream their show by going to wayfm.com. Next time on the Jesus Calling Podcast, we talk with the First Lady of Tennessee, Governor's wife, Chrissy Haslam. Since 2011, First Lady Chrissy Haslam's priorities have focused on encouraging parent engagement in education and reading proficiency for children. She frequently travels the state with the Governor's Books from Birth Foundation in support of Tennessee's Imagination Library and is also a supporter of The Next Door, a faith-based rehabilitation center in Nashville, Tennessee. I think we do feel called to be in this place, and I feel like God's put us here for this time. I mean, we didn't know if it was going to be four years or eight years. It's, it's going to be eight years. And um, so we feel like uh, what an opportunity He has given us to serve people and to learn and to try to make this a better place to, to live and to uh, work and to raise a family. Hear more great stories about the impact Jesus Calling is having all over the world. Be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Calling podcast on iTunes. We value your reviews and comments so we can reach even more people with the message of Jesus Calling. And if you have your own story to share, we'd love to hear from you. Visit JesusCalling.com to share your story today.